I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Greetings and salutations in the name of the Lord. Folks, welcome to another episode of Coffee, the Bible, and Page. I'm your host, Page. Here's my coffee in my Mickey Mouse mug. I like my Mickey Mouse mug. And I like my coffee. Good morning, Mr. Joseph. Good to see you, Chief. All right. Today, this lesson is titled, Enter Abram. We are going to start looking at the life of a huge, huge hero of mine, Abram, soon to become known as Abraham. So uh, let's just get started. Let's just jump right on in. Starts off with the end of chapter 11, where it talks about Abram's family. Now, Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, all right? And while his father was still alive, Haran died. Haran was the father of Lot. Abram and Terah's other son, Nahor, both married. Abram's wife was Sarah, but she was barren, not able to conceive. Terah took his son, Abram, and his grandson, Lot, Abram's nephew, and they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Now, Ur of Chaldees is here in this lower, in this uh, lower right-hand corner here at the beginning of this yellow streak. And he goes all the way up to Haran, up in the upper, right there in the middle of the top. He was going to go down to Canaan, down to here, but Terah, for some reason, stopped there. And that's where they stopped, and that's where they settled. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. So that's where Abram's uh, father died. Now we start chapter 12. The Lord had said to Abram, important here, past tense, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. He's asking Abram to set out on a journey, but he hasn't told him where it is that he's going. Now, I don't know how God spoke to Abram. Uh, you remember that Abram is part of the godly line of Seth, right? Uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and the line of Shem, which is Noah's godly son. So he's from that lineage. So they had apparently had a habit of being in communion with God and worshiping God. So, but I don't know how God spoke to Abram, but he did tell him, he says, I want you to go from your country. What country? Where they were at at the time, Haran. And I want you to go to a land I'm going to show you. So Abram left home, not knowing for sure his final destination. Now, 
when God asked Abram to leave, when you leave a region in those days, in that culture, every region had local deities and gods. Now, I'm not saying Abram was not a worshiper of these gods, but when you left, you left the gods of that region behind. You left everything behind. You severed your ties. And it's not a small thing. Abram was going to be asked to go to a place far away. Didn't know where. Didn't know. But Abram left home anyway, not knowing for sure his final destination. Um, that's the beginning of this thing called faith. God went on to tell him, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. All right, he's going to make him into a great nation, but he and Sarah don't have any children. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is important. It says all peoples on earth will be blessed through you, not by you. In other words, Abram, you might not be the one that does the big thing that's going to turn the world upside down. But that blessing is still going to come through you. Again, God's assuming that Abram and Sarah are going to have children. They don't have any children. It's called faith, folks. I will bless those who bless you, whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, this is the point where the Old Testament narrative, Old Testament story, the Genesis story, if you will, becomes my story and your story. Because we're part of that promise that God is going to be, that all peoples on earth will be blessed through Abram. We're part of that. Through the line of Abram would eventually come Israel. And out of Israel will come Messiah. And Messiah is our path into God's family. All peoples on earth, includes us Gentiles, will be blessed through you, Abram. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old, and when he set out from Haran, he took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. And they arrived there. Hmm. Cool. God brought him to Canaan. God brought him to the land that would eventually be his and his descendants. Well, it would never be Abram's, but it would belong to his descendants. But he arrived there, and the Canaanites were there. So Abram traveled through the land. He didn't... Uh, he didn't set up his tents there. He didn't set up permanent residency there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. But there weren't any offspring. God continues, I'm going to give your offspring this land. Now, this is important. God told Abram, God did not tell Abram, I'm giving you this land to pass on to your offspring. No. He had Abram look and see, this is what your offspring 
is going to have one day. But not you, not today. This is an important, important thing. When I was looking at this story, figuring what, what personal application can I make, wait till we get to the end and I share it with you. I, I don't know if it'll blow your mind as much as it blew mine this morning when I realized this. But just know this. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. Implied, but I'm not giving it to you. You, This land will be blessed through you, not by you. You're not going to own this land. Your descendants will. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel, pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west, Ai in the east, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Um, Abraham, Abram, that's his name at this point. Abram was a God worshiper. And it's amazing to me that as a God worshiper, that God did not give Abram the land that he said his descendants would inherit. God did not make that promise to Abraham, to Abram, but the promise would go through Abram. That's again, that's important. Please remember that. Now, Abram in Egypt. Abram's stay in Egypt prefigures Israel's later stay in Egypt because he goes to Egypt in this story. Both of them were initiated by a famine. And behind this pattern stands a faithful, loving God. What he's done with Abram, he will do for his people today and tomorrow. In this story, Abram's going to go into Egypt because of a famine where he was living. And he would be accepted by the Pharaoh of the day. And then he would be expelled by the Pharaoh for reasons which we're about to see. Now, there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you're my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. Now, there were some customs in this culture um, that Abram was trying to take advantage of. If Sarah was considered his sister and the Pharaoh found her attractive or desirable, then Pharaoh would make a deal with her, quote-unquote, brother in order to have Sarah added to his harem. And that would make, that would give Abram a, a, a favored position in Egypt and possibly save his life. But if Sarah was found to be attractive by the Pharaoh and she was married to Abram, then perhaps Pharaoh could have Abram killed. That seems to be Abram's uh, concern here. Say you're my sister. That way he'll think as your brother, he'll bargain with me and maybe we can get out of here with the plus side on the ledger. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarah was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh and she was taken into his palace. 
He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. He bargained with Abram to add Sarah to his harem. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. Now, I don't know how he figured this out. Maybe he went right to Sarah and asked her, and she told him. I don't know. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? Why did you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister? So that I took her to be my wife. Now, then here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything they had. Looks like he got to keep the possessions that Pharaoh had given him. Somehow Pharaoh found out that Sarah was his wife. Now, at the Scripture doesn't say that Pharaoh had relations with, uh, with Sarah. You, if that were the case, you would have seen something like, and the Pharaoh went in unto her, or um, they laid together, something like that. But that didn't, apparently did not happen. And Pharaoh gave orders, and he pushed Abram and his wife out the door. Now, doctors in the ancient world not only trained in herbs, ointments, and medications, but also exorcism and incantation. A sudden onslaught of disease, like what happened to Pharaoh's family, uh, would naturally lead to an investigation of activities that may have upset the god. So they, they would go look at what thing, what has recently happened that might have caused the gods to give us these diseases. And um, the recent thing that had happened was Sarah being added to the harem. So I'm not surprised after some investigation that Pharaoh's uh, priests or whatever, doctors, discovered the truth that Sarah was indeed Abram's wife and not his sister. So Pharaoh's reprimand of Abram is not a judgment of Abram's ethics, but a chastening for putting him, the Pharaoh, in jeopardy. So he kicked him out of Egypt. Now, that's the that's the end of this chapter. But I want to I want to take a look at something here. Over here to the right, Ur is where it all began. Abram and his family. Well, his father Terah and his family, because Haran had died. Terah took his family, which included Aaron. I mean, which included uh, Abram and Lot, and they traveled as far as Haran up here. They were going to go down to Canaan. That was Terah's original plan. But he traveled up to Haran. I don't know why he decided to want to go to Canaan, but he went up to Haran, and that's where his father ended up settling down. Maybe he was old, tired of traveling, because we're talking about a 500-mile trip, I think. Um, and after he died, Abram was told by God to set out. And he did, and he followed this yellow line down here. And he went through Canaan. And you can see this, this was Abram's travel along, this, along the Mediterranean Sea. I wrote down some thoughts. See what you think. Traveling to a place that would never be his, but whose descendants would one day own, Abram set out from Haran. Abram would die. Not, quote, being from around here, unquote, in Canaan. The promise of God unfulfilled in his lifetime. Abram was a wanderer almost his entire life. Now, I have been a wanderer 
my entire life, wandering over 25 plus years to finally end up in the place where my family originated here in Georgia. Once I settled in Georgia in 1992, my desire for the next place vanished. I was always looking for the next generation, for the next place to live, the next adventure. I was in the Navy. I switched careers uh, three times in the Navy. And I lived all over the United States. And every four or five years, I'm ready for the next thing. I'm ready for the next thing. Garwood males have always been wanderers. And... Uh, and that was the case with me. I was always looking for the next church. I was always looking for the next place to live. I was always looking for the next thing. But somehow, when I made it to Georgia and settled in Georgia, I quit looking for the next thing. And I didn't know why at the time. It's just like all of a sudden, I just didn't want to travel anymore. All of a sudden, I didn't want to go anyplace anymore. I wasn't looking for a new thing. I realized it's because this is where God wanted me to be. But I was a wanderer. Once I settled in Georgia, my desire for the next place vanished. I knew I was home. But for the rest of my life, I will never be from around here. And that has been told to me off and on for the last 25 plus years. I've been in Georgia since 1992 now. That would be 30 years. And throughout those 30 years, I've been told on occasion that I'm not from around here. Even though I've lived, and especially today, even though I've lived here 30 years, I'm not from around here. I'm a northerner. My children are not from around here because they were both born. Uh, my, my daughter was born and my son were born in California. Trekked all over the United States with us. And they were in high school when we moved finally down to Georgia. And they're not from around here. But they married people from around here. And now, the first generation of my family that will be able to say that the Garwoods are from around here will be my grandchildren. My grandchildren's generation will be the first generation that can grow up saying, we are from around here. We were born here. Abram went to his grave believing, yet not seeing the fulfillment of God's promise to him. Which leads me to my main point. Sometimes what God promises is not for you, but through you for future generations to realize. Here's the thing about faith. Faith is independent of results. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Faith isn't fake. Faith isn't empty. But when, you, when God has told you something and you believe it to be true, that doesn't mean it has to be true in your lifetime. Abram was given a promise. And the promise was through Abram. Future generations will be blessed. All the people of the world will be blessed, Abram, through you, not because of you. You're not going to do anything, Abram. That's that amazing. But the promise goes through you, through your lineage, through your descendants, to the day when Messiah comes. Abram, the blessings through you. I had a dream years and years and years ago. And I've shared this before. Uh, I'd come back from a mission trip in Russia and I was grieving. 
over the spiritual condition of my life after meeting Christians in a place where they didn't like Christians and they persecuted Christians. It wasn't uncommon to see local governments take away property and homes from Christians. And I came home absolutely convicted beyond measure about the shallowness of my own spirituality, my own Christian life, compared to what I saw in the believers there who every day woke up realizing they could lose everything, jobs, homes, property, churches, just by declaring the name of Jesus. And I had a dream. And in my dream, I'm in a crowd of millions in front of the throne of God. And it's that uh, well done, good and faithful servant moment where he's calling people out of the crowd. And I heard him call my name and I didn't look up. In my dream, my head's bowed and I'm weeping because I'm afraid of what I will hear from him. And he calls my name again. I don't look up. Then finally he goes, Paige, with a sharp tone to his voice. And I look up and he's pointing over to his right, my left. And he said, and I look over there and there's my son and a wife. Now he wasn't married at the time, but there's my son Standing next to him was his wife, and behind them, generations of believers. And Jesus going, well done, well done. He points over to his left, my right, and there's my daughter. She didn't have any children, but her and her husband have this incredible ministry where they just bless people wherever they can, whenever they can, by whatever means they can, that God has blessed them with funds and things. They're always showering blessings on people. And they're surrounded by the thousands of people that they've touched in their lifetime. And God's going, Jesus went, well done. And then I woke up. I don't know exactly why God called me back to Georgia. I have a, I have a few sneaking suspicions. Um, this is where my family started its journey westward. We were we came down here in the 1700s and started our move into the Ohio River Valley, and then to all points west from that, ending up in Alaska with my parents, where I was raised. And when I came back to Georgia, my mom said, "You're back where it all began," and. For some reason, that resonated with me. For some reason, that spoke to me. And I'm wondering if God brought me back to where it all began so that I could reestablish the Garwood name coupled with a godly heritage. Our children have grown up to be God-fearing people. My grandchildren are growing up to be God-fearing children. Now they're teenage. Two of them are teenagers. At least one of them is one is soon to be, and one is still running around like crazy at four or five years old. But if my dream has significance, then the presence that the Garwood family is going to have in the state of Georgia is going to be huge. One day, and the influence of the Garwood family will be huge one day. But it's not something I'm going to see in my lifetime. God has given me a promise. Generation after generation after generation of believers 
I'm not going to see that. The promise is through me. God told me when I got saved in 1975, he said, I have a ministry for you. I used to think that meant I was going to be a pastor or maybe a worship pastor because I'm a musician. Nah. My ministry was my son and my daughter. I was going to plant, replant the Garwood name in Georgia and be the patriarch of a godly family, reestablishing the Garwood name coupled with God's name here in the state of Georgia. And when I go to my grave, I'm going to see my children, my grandchildren. I'm not going to see the generation after generation after generation that my dream showed me. God's promise is through me into those generations. God's promise to Abram was through him, not to him. Sometimes when God gives us a promise, and we know what God has said. I mean, I, you know when God speaks. We have to realize that a lot of, many times, what God promises is going to be through us, not to us. Sometimes that's hard to discern. How do we know what the difference is? <laughs> Hang out and wait. If it's to you, it'll happen to you. If it's through you, you might not ever see it. Abraham did not see did not live to see what that promise at the beginning of the chapter was all about. Through you, all nations will be blessed. He didn't see that. He didn't live to see that. It did not make the promise any less. It was still a word from God. Many times, us believers will get a word from God. And our first assumption is, this is something that's going to happen to me. It doesn't have to. Sometimes it's going to go through you to the next generation. That was encouraging to me because I really feel God has shown me some things that I used to assume was going to be all about me. Kiddos, it's not about me. God has a promise. Some of them are to you. Some of them are through you. I'm going to enjoy this, this walk with Abraham because there's a lot to learn about faith in the, watching this man's life. All right, tomorrow, Genesis chapter 13 on page. Here's my coffee. Folks, I'm out of here. Have a great day. Bye-bye. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Neither should my thoughts be your thoughts. You need to think for yourself.